Well, welcome to this special edition of the Church and State Show. And uh, this Sunday, we have International Men's Day on the 19th of November. Um, and it's something that often passes without a lot of fanfare or notice. Um, it's just not politically correct to celebrate or support men, uh, just acknowledging the realities of the adverse outcomes uh, that men have in society with a disproportionate rate of incarceration, with a disproportionate rate of workplace deaths, a disproportionate rate of military service and obviously death in combat. Um, and there's so many other ways, homelessness, suicide, in which men uh, have a tougher lot in society than women. Uh, and maybe that's the way it should be with us bearing a lot of um, the, the, the conflict and the burdens of creating a better world. Uh, but there's also ways in which we should always obviously try to end suffering and uh, support better outcomes for everybody. We don't resent in any way International Women's Day or attention on preventing or solving suffering for women. Um, but balance is good because all uh, domestic violence is bad, not just male domestic violence. All um, harm to people is bad, not just uh, when it happens to women. So today we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the other side of the column because we are coming up to International Men's Day in just two days. And joining me uh, here on my right is Dan Smith, uh, international Olympic swimmer. I guess most Olympic swimmers are international. <laughs> that they are, that they are. Uh, and you competed in the Rio Olympics. What year was that? 2016, 2016. Wow. Feels like a while ago now. I'm remembering more and more Olympics that seem like yesterday. Uh, but you swim freestyle? You're in yeah, the 200 metres? Free, was a freestyle specialist from a pretty young age. so. Was very lucky. Only had to focus on one stroke. So, <laughs> and Andy Cullen. Now, some of you will remember Andy Cullen from an episode we did not too long ago. Um, I encourage you to go back and, and watch that in great detail. But Andy, you served the nation as an army officer in the engineering corps. Yeah, that's correct, mate. Seventeen years in the Australian Army, uh, both as a soldier and then later as an officer. And um, yeah, a few deployments to Afghanistan and some other places, but. Um, Retired back in 2012. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. You're a fourth generation soldier. Yep. Yeah, fourth generation um, Australian soldier. Um, obviously, uh, my, both my grandfather, my great grandfather, and my father. My father actually served 40 years wow. in the Australian Army. So my 17 was a bit weak, I think, <laughs> compared to him. But um, look, was born in a family that was very patriotic, uh, loved the nation love serving. I think God created me with a heart of service. So that was definitely fulfilling part of my identity and purpose in life. And I found that um, really fulfilling within my career in the military. Um, but you know, like any career, it doesn't last forever. And and just the, the short synopsis of it is, is after getting out and retiring um, from that career, I suffered greatly from post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, um, suicidal ideation. Uh, a lot of anxiety, panic attacks, things of that nature as a result of the trauma I'd experienced uh, throughout my service. And um, with the support of family, community and ultimately finding faith in God, 
I was able to uh, restore everything that was uh, stolen from me, including my marriage, wow. my family. Uh, now find great fulfillment and purpose in supporting community, uh, others that Brilliant. are suffering from trauma, uh, regardless of the, the type of trauma. And I work alongside my wife, Zoe, and a, and a great team of volunteers running the charity PTSD Resurrected, and we um, provide free trauma healing courses to people in need, individuals free. and families, yeah. That's so good. Um, I'm gonna put some details on the screen right now how you can support PTSD Resurrected. In this episode, we're hoping to get a lot of donations for that charity. Um, they're tax deductible, those donations? Yeah, yeah, PTSD Resurrected is a DGR charity, so deductible gift recipient. Any donation over $2 is fully tax deductible. Brilliant. And we provide those courses across Australia, both face-to-face -face and online. And like we spoke about before, we work very hard to provide those free because we want to take trauma healing to the people that need it, regardless of what their financial circumstances are. Now, I don't want people to think you're exclusive supporting men or anything. No. Um, you, you're actually available to anybody who, who wants yeah. to, to get um, some really productive and effective therapy for PTSD. But tell me about the mix of your clients who are men and who are either veterans or first responders. Yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. So when we started the charity back in 2017, we were helping just military and veterans, uh, sorry, veterans, active military and uh, first responders. So the courses were very much written toward people who'd suffered trauma as a result of their service. Uh, about two years ago, we were receiving a lot more requests from people in the general community saying, We've heard about your programs. Can you support us with domestic violence, childhood sexual trauma, victims of crime? Uh, and the reality is everyone faces trauma in life. Like you can't live without facing trauma of one sort or another. So a few years ago, we partnered with another charity. It's a Gold Coast based charity called At The Ark. And they specialized in domestic violence and family violence and childhood sexual trauma. And so with their expertise, we were able to develop a new course that's not just supporting the veteran and service community, but the wider community. So in the early days, we were seeing, particularly within the veteran and service community, around about 80% men to 20% women. Mm. Um, over this last couple of years, we've seen that transition to around 60% female to 40% male. Um, and that is largely because of word of mouth. I mean, these courses impact people greatly. They share their impact yeah. and others come and try and find the healing that they're, they're searching for. And that's available to everyone. So we're just providing um, real um, lessons where people can understand what's occurred in their life and how to address that trauma in a positive, productive way. And we teach that from a biblical faith-based perspective. Mm. So... Um, they have real tools that they can put in their kit bag, go through life and deal with the trauma. It's actually about addressing the root causes of trauma, not just the symptoms that we Brilliant. often try to address. So, um, yeah, from that demographic, it's really been an interesting transition where we've seen predominantly supporting men through to now actually predominantly supporting women. But the reality is everyone faces trauma and we're there to support anyone wherever they are. And word of mouth has traveled the world. You yeah. you recently, just in the last week, actually uh, did a course 
um, provided the, the, the services to people in Israel following yeah. the trauma that they went through on October 7th and, and really has escalated since then around the world. Yeah, that's right. We're currently providing courses um, direct to people in the midst of a war zone. Um, it's not the first time we've done that as an organisation. We've provided it's incredible. an ongoing ongoingly provide um, courses in the Ukraine. Um, we're now actively providing online courses into Israel, which is, you know, it's a heavy experience even to sit there and share some of these lessons and, and um, you know, offering hope, healing and purpose to people right in the midst of their trauma. Some of the participants having lost family members on the 7th of October. And wow. Trying to deal with that at such a critical time. So um, it's, it's very impactful. I mean, these courses have taken us to South Africa. We've delivered courses over there. We've delivered courses in Belfast, in Northern Ireland. Plenty wow. of trauma there. Yeah. Um, and the, the key to its success is this. We're not clinical uh, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists wearing white lab coats, having a discussion about your healing. We're actually a team of people with lived experience delivering the lessons that are biblically proven to address trauma in people's lives so that they can not only live uh, beyond their trauma, but live a really productive and full life beyond their trauma. Yeah, brilliant. Um, if you'd like to support PTSD Recovered, um, would Resurrected, PTSD Resurrected, um, details are on the screen now. I encourage you to be very generous. Tell me uh, what brought you to swimming and, and, and your journey after 2016. But I guess I'm, I'm 32 years old and I can only share so much from my, my little life lived. Um, but when I was five, my parents thought it would be a really good reason for me to get into the water. Um, I had a real natural gift and ability for the water. And I guess swimming found me, I didn't find it. And um, it was very natural at it. Like everyone has their own natural gifts and a talent, the things that come the most natural to you. But for me, it was swimming. And so when I was 10, um, I won my first bronze medal at nationals. Um, wow, at 10. Yeah, at 10. Um, and I wasn't a man child either when I was young. So um, worked really hard for it. Um, but when I was when I was in year seven, that's when it really changed for me. Um, they didn't have middle school back then. Um, year seven was the final year before you go into year eight, which was high school. And I wrote in my year seven yearbook, I want to be the fastest person in the world and I want to break Ian Thorpe's records. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to do from a young age. And the problem was, was when you've got a family who, uh, who loves swimming and you know they're dedicating everything to it and then you've got a coach who's pushing you really hard as well and then you're pushing yourself really hard, it wasn't balanced. Um, and so a lot of sport and a lot of things that you pursue as an ultimate or an absolute comes with a cost. Um, for the next couple of years, I was able to win numerous amounts of gold medals. Still to this day, I have the most gold medals ever won in Australian history at a wow. national titles. Um, but when I hit about 14, I started to go back to my school friends and realize that swimming was empty. It wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't giving me any sort of satisfaction in life. Um, and no matter how much I win, I was never good enough. Coaches always wanted more. We're always trying to win all the time. And like I said, that came at a cost. Um, and then I started dabbling with my friends at school with alcohol and drinking. And we would just started off so harmlessly um, to the point where I was 17 years old, um, standing up on the blocks for the 2008 Beijing Olympics, which makes me sound old now, being back in 2008. And wow. unfortunately, some things in life you can't control. And I had a shoulder injury at the time. 
and um, unfortunately missed the team that year, um, which was my time to shine, really. And, um, yeah, just didn't have that real push after that as and well. And that was a result of the injury, mostly? Yeah, it resulted the injury. Entirely. Yeah, and, like, I was a bit distracted as well, um, like, experiencing other things outside of swimming, like drinking and had a girlfriend at the time and stuff like that. And then when I was 18, I, um, I had a drink-driving car accident at 18 years old that... Um, destroyed my career and destroyed my family, destroyed our, destroyed the community because I did a lot of damage when I crashed my car in a drink driving accident. And then, you know, any normal person would probably realize that that's probably enough pain to turn your life around. Um, but for me, I decided to get really hard into the drug scene and give the sport away. And I lived that life for about four really dark years. I got addicted so to So this ice. was after Rio? This is before Rio, okay. yeah. So I did a comeback in wow. sport. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Mm. Yeah. So getting into the drugs then, I mean, don't, don't give me the ending. I'm sorry for the spoiler, That's but, right. but uh, you got hard into drugs. How did you get back into um, sport? Where was, the, where was the turnaround? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really great question. Like my, I'd had so many attempts at rehab. My parents were told, your son's too far gone. He can't be helped. Um, wow. that, and my parents like, did quite well for themselves, so they would have paid you know, any amount of money to try and, and, like any parent would, you know, reaching out to your kid that's struggling to try and help them turn around. And um, I couldn't imagine how tough it would have been on them for what I've, what I've put them through as well. Um, but I, re- I ended up getting recommended to go to a Christian um, rehabilitation center. Um, I had no concept of God. I thought Christians were hypocrites. I thought they were wackos. Why would I want to be a Christian? And um, here I am at 22 years old, finding myself going to a Christian rehabilitation center. And they said something to me that really stuck with me. Um, I met this bikey guy who was a Christian biker at the time. And he, could, he was the first person to ever tell me that um, I've been clean for 17 years. We've got a rehabilitation program that restores people's lives. We can help you, bro. And that's what he said to me. And something within me believed it. And so I went to rehab and started to turn my life around and um, started to realize that there was more to life than what I was living. Um, they say living unloved is like a bird without wings. Just wow. doesn't work well. Um, yeah. Or a motor with no oil in it. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't work well. And I didn't have any oil in the tank. Um, I was just living life. Life shaped me into what it wanted me to be. Um, and at 22 years old, I was very, very fortunate, fortunate to have another chance at turning my life around. And um, the drug statistics is really low. It's like less than 1% make it out an absent, clean life. And I was lucky I started going to church and started experiencing new things, started deleting my friends because I had to. And um, surely or not, I couldn't believe there was something more to my life than what I was living. And to me, that was God. Did you say deleting your friends? Yes, my old friends. Such a Facebook thing to say. It is. (laughs) Maybe that's showing our generation now, deleting them. Yeah, yeah. But you are who you hang around. But but that, you know, that's... um, Look, I, I, I honestly believe one of the things that will save, the thing that will save this nation, there's lots of band-aids we can offer this nation, um, but the thing that will save is a humbling of our hearts. Yeah. Um, and, and that means submission to God and the absence of a false pride, yeah. which says, live your truth. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the, the choice to delete your friends is such an outworking of that because it it says that everything I previously sought approval and validation from is meaningless 
uh, and I, I have to live the truth, not not my truth or my friend's, friend's truth. Mm. Um, and I mean, to me, that's one of the profoundest things you've said is that you basically had to find new influences that um, supported you living higher and better as opposed to validating whatever choices you made. Because that's, I mean, again, that's what we see so much from society today is you have to affirm people's wrong ideas in, instead of um, preaching truth. And I think that's one of the most effective ways that we could support men um, right now is, is just to actually say, look, real masculinity is em embracing your brokenness mm -hmm. and your failings and taking responsibility and ownership for them and and uh, if necessary choosing new support structures that will support you to be everything um, because welcome to the human race you're a man you're fallible mm. uh, and you can't do it alone yeah. um, but there's no healing without accountability mate i mean we live in a society that is um kind of championed the the victim and you know the more you scream as a victim the louder your voice becomes but the reality is for individuals that get stuck in victimhood victimhood or victimization there is no healing there healing comes through action yeah. of accountability it's acknowledging okay this is my choice mm. i've got to be responsible for my future and that starts with the decisions that i'm making today including the people that you hang around you know we're all a reflection of the three closest people in our lives that's just a reality. Um, if mm. you hang around with drug addicts, there's a good chance that you'll become a drug addict. If yeah. you hang around with alcoholics, there's a good chance that you'll become an alcoholic. Uh, it's just part of human nature and being an individual in the world that we live in. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I've seen in my own journey and I see constantly when we're helping people is helping them to identify that they've actually got the power and authority to make the decisions to change their future. Yeah regardless of what the past says that's yeah. where true empowerment's found and that's what it is to be an overcomer and someone that that um, can go on to to produce and continue to do really good things in society yeah. but it comes back to this point that you made earlier is society today is telling us to be individually focused right the whole thing is how am i feeling how's this going to impact me what can i get out of it but the reality is society is built or a successful society is built on service. It's not what I can do for myself, but what I can do for my community, yep. for my family, for my nation. Yeah. And so, you know, as followers, followers of Christ, you serve God, you serve your family, you serve your community and you serve your nation above yourself. Yeah. And Jesus said it, it's better to give than to receive. And there's a lot of truth in that that is being ignored mm. in society today. Yeah, and he said so many things like that. The, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Mm. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. Yeah. Those who seek to save their lives will lose it. And yeah. those who seek to lose it for my sake will save it. Yeah, very, very good. Um, you mentioned that your family was very patriotic, Andy. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things I would like to counter with this episode is the um, perhaps leftist narrative that the patriarchy is a bad thing. Um, but the patriarchy and patriotism come from the same word. It, it basically means a, an appreciation um, for, for the founding fathers, 
for the things which the, the, the men who created this world and our democracy and uh, legal jurisprudence, uh, patriotism is appreciating and honouring um, the foundations of our nation and, and the legacy um, that we have. And that to me is, is what the patriarchy is. The mm. patriarchy uh, is the best thing that ever happened to the world. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, all people, not just men, um, can take good things uh, and, and corrupt good things with their own corruptions. Uh, with their own selfishness or greed or, or malice, but but everybody can do that. That's not mm. a uniquely male thing to do, but w perhaps we do it in different ways. But the patriarchy is is the difference between great and mediocre cultures. The the kind of cultures that uh, will create strong and secure homes. Uh, you know, the absence of patriarchy in in France uh, prior to World War Two, there was a, a narrative that said uh, our heroes of World War One were not heroes, they were victims. And they refused to erect statues to them or they even pulled them down. And, and they embraced pacifism mm. um, instead of the virtues of self-defense and, and men who were willing to sacrifice their lives for the defense of, of the nation. And when uh, the German generals were considering invading France, uh, they're like, hang on, on paper, these guys have us licked. They're far better uh, equipped for conflict than us. Mm. Um, and Hitler looked at them and said, yeah, but they haven't got the heart for it. Um, and sure enough, they rolled over without a fight when the German army rolled in. Um, that, that's what happened, that's the toxic lack lack of patriarchy. Yeah, well, I think I've learned a few things about patriarchy, particularly since becoming a Christian uh, and having a look at that biblical view of what it is to put God the Father above your family and above yourself and above your relationships, and then the man being the head of the house. Um, that's a successful blueprint for a long and successful marriage. And, mm. and in a society that's suffering huge rates of divorce and uh, separation, it's often that lack of balance that, that can be attributed to that. Yep. And, you know, I say I'm the head of the house. Well, my wife is the neck. You know, she's holding me up. And it's that um, combined approach that mm. we're actually working together for the betterment of our family yep. and of our children. We're both in the same agreement that we're, we're working towards the same goal. Yeah. And again, it goes back to that point of rather than being individually focused on what I can get out of this relationship my focus is on serving my wife and my children. Yep. And as a result of that, she lifts me up so I can do a better job of that. Yeah. And it, it may seem a bit old-fashioned to people today, but you know what? Some of these values don't go away just because they're unpopular or um, not current. And these yep. are the foundations that actually are unshakable. Yeah. So I think if we get back to this understanding of what is a patriarchy? Why is it designed like that? Why did God have this hierarchical order in mind? Well, he's very specific in creation. Nothing is left to chance and nothing, nothing is random. Men have very different and unique skill sets than women do. Yep. We are created very differently, but we fulfill each other's gaps. That's right. And that's the way I look at it. My wife completes the things that I lack, and there's plenty of them. 
Yeah. Like, but when we're together, Amen. we're better. Yeah. And we're able to to lead and and um, and you know focus our family's growth in a more positive way together than we are separately. And society is a reflection of that. You know, single parent homes are not as um, what's the word productive in society as those that are coming from a, a male and a female parenthood relationship. So we're seeing those increased crime rates, we're seeing increased um, incarceration, we're seeing increased suicides because kids are growing up in a society where they're confused. They're not sure about what is the role of a man in the home mm. or in society, what is the role of a mother. Like, I'm not that nurturing, mate. It's just not part of my personal um, strength. Now, there's plenty of nurturing men out there. I'm not saying that all men are the same, but for me personally, that's not a forte. Like, the kids fall over and I'll be like, sort it out, mate, get up, let's go. Walk my it wife's off. like, honey, <laughs> go and give him a hug and say you'll be okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> so, you know, I've got these gaps that my wife's able to fulfil and achieve a better outcome for a child growing up. Yeah, yeah, and you're saying... She helps you be better. Absolutely. She doesn't just do it for you. No. She actually, yeah. And, yeah, we're and a team. It's important that people understand, obviously there's going to be bad examples of patriarchy where God hasn't been involved in the model. Um, but what you're describing with male headship, which is biblical, is complementariness, not competitiveness. Absolutely. Uh, as, as you very You've well got to recognise each other's strengths and weaknesses. I think one of the best things that people can do is to have a good self-look at themselves occasionally and go, where are my weaknesses? You know this from training. <laughs> like, if you can identify your weaknesses, you can do something about it. Yeah. If you want to just go through life and not bother looking at your weaknesses or just living in this world of I'm awesome and nothing can be better and... Yeah. Well, you're not going to change for the better. But when we address our weaknesses, we can say, okay, sweet, I can work on this. Mm. And when you're, we've got the opportunity to do that in a relationship, well, you're just going to build on each other and, and benefit from it. Yeah, yeah. Dan, um, you said that it was a man who really provided the light at the end of the tunnel for you in your darkest moment, a, a Christian bikey who had said that he identified uh, success, uh, progressing success after 17 years of being sober. Um, do you think, uh, I guess, tell me about the role he played was it just that one off or was it more significant what kind of inspiration and and support did he offer to you on on your recovery yeah i think that's a really really great question um i think like in the program that i was in there was a guy a, a male there who was a dad and also a female there that was um did a lot of um, like foster, had foster children and she'd take people in off the street. So I had the good balance of both when I was in recovery. Um, so the dad, he was actually the one that cracked me open. Um, I used to say, we did a lot of group therapy in, in the program and he, every week we'd get, our brothers are got to bring us into group for our behaviors and what are you seeing throughout each other's weeks and you know, trying to identify. What do you mean your brothers? Like your, the other people in the house. It was a men only rehab. 
So you've got, you know, 12 to 15 other people in the program mm -hmm. and you, you're you all confronting each other about your, your issues. Wow. Um, and then you do that the in The way family's meant to work. Yeah, yeah, you are. That's right. And um, they would put me in group each week because I used to be very closed off um, and not talk. Um, and because I used to, I had massive trust problems. I'd been hurt a lot in the past, been used with high performance sport. And as you can imagine what all that's like. And they used to put me in each week, yeah, um, Dan, you don't open up. Um, and I, I, I had this thing inside of me. I was like, I'll never open up to you guys. And um, every week, it was like four or five weeks in a row, they kept bringing me in. And this one day, the facilitator, which was this guy who'd built a lot of respect in my life and walked through a lot of things with me. And he answered a lot of my questions around Christianity and stuff like that. And he said to me, he said, um, who are you without swimming? And I, I didn't know. And that, that was like the catalyst of my healing that started. I, I didn't know who I was. I had no sense of purpose or identity away from what I did. Um, the only thing that gave me a sense of value, and it's a hard balance to work out because your whole life is about sport, but my well, only men thing- Men very typically identify yeah. as what they do. What they do, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think that's, that's a great thing. And I've realized the more I grow up as a, as a Christian, as a little Christian, um, you know, the more I realize God's in the becoming game. And um, my even as a Christian believer, you know, I've failed a lot as, you know, pursuing sport as my absolute. Um, like I said, I, I didn't, unfortunately, at Rio, when I was at Rio, I didn't live up to what I was capable of. Um, I experienced a thing in sport called choking, and um, I bombed out the Olympics. And you think about the Olympics, you got one day of your life to execute 20 years or it was about 18 years at the time for me one single moment one single day wow. and because i was older and experienced my life that was the story that i that my story it meant i didn't really have that chance to make another cycle so i only had one day of my life to get up on the blocks and unfortunately i got fourth place and that's when i started to realize like i'd, I'd love to look you in the eyes and say i'd stand up on the podium and, and give god thanks yeah. But, you know, I, I honestly would look you in the eye and say I probably wouldn't. Um, you know, my whole swimming was, it has to be, it's hard not to, was about me. And um, so like the last five, six years of my Christian walk and being married now, it's all been about trying to become something here on this earth. And that's, that's unfortunately wasn't, wasn't taught to me from a young age. Andy, how hard is it to work with uh, the, the trait of men to... Um, identify with so I mean you can relate to this yourself I, I know you shared in an interview with me previously that after you came back from war and you mm. left the army and and had your your bottom of the pit experience you completely lacked a sense of purpose and identity because everything you'd ever done professionally was stripped away from you and gone yeah, that's right. I mean, and this is not a unique situation that Dan's found himself in, that I went through. Um, men across the world experience this because we do. We, we uh, have an inbuilt sense of we need to perform, we need to provide, we need to achieve. And we are our own harshest critics. So when something happens to take away an ability or to remove a, a career or a rank or a, a title, um, we end up in the ocean without a rudder, sort of getting pushed around by every wave and and uh, and wind, and not knowing where our anchor is or how to how to find ourselves in the world. And this is um, something that I deal with constantly with people that come through our programs. Is the reality is if you're not enough with it, 
you'll never be enough without it. So we need to change our understanding of where we draw our identity and our purpose from. You know, it's, it's no coincidence that when we meet people, we say, oh, what do you do? Why do we do that? It's like we draw our identity and purpose from our job. Mm. And the job's important. It helps us to provide. It helps us to get enough money for the things that we want to do in life. Um, it, it's I agree. There's, there is a balance here. We can't throw the baby Absolutely. out with the bathwater because um, like I, I guess the revelation I walk with is that um, I, I have separated income from mission. Yeah. So I hear from God, what am I meant to be doing? What is my mission? What, what do you want me doing? And then I figure out how to pay the bills. Well, th this is the important step. And, and it's not a difficult conversation. Men typically aren't the greatest at communicating with each other. But when you sit down and give someone an opportunity to answer what fulfills you in life, where do you feel your purpose mm. is in life, when they think about it, they'll actually draw it pretty quickly because often your purpose and identity is very closely tied to your skill sets or your giftings in life. Being a great swimmer is yeah. not a coincidence that you went into sport at that elite level because you are gifted in that area. But it's also your calling. And the reality is God creates each and every one of us uniquely, mm. but perfectly. And this is the, the key to, to realizing identity is that we are each created perfectly already. Yeah. There's nothing you could do to change the creation that God made you, the person that you are. You're created perfectly to achieve His perfect will. But we're often tied up chasing our will, yeah. what we want in life. And, and if we focus on, okay, what are the things that I love doing? What are the things that I'm gifted at? Your identity and purpose will often rotate around those two things. And I think, you know, probably one of the I mean, we're offering some wisdom and some perspective to men who are tied up in their identity and mission. But then at the other end of the spectrum, we've got a new generation of young men who are missionless and directionless and aimless. They're actually content to float and wander and fluff and don't live with a purpose on their life of what their life should look like. Okay, I need to... I need to get a job, I need to start a family, I need to raise kids, I need to be a father to them and, and train the next generation, I need to provide for them and and quite often they're living very selfish lives well into their 30s. Mm. So yeah, I would definitely say that, like I, um, I'm fortunate enough now being retired from swimming, like speak in schools, um, you know, get out and help a lot of swimming communities and stuff like that as well. and. I believe like there's definitely a significant difference in young people nowadays, um, and it's like it's a lot harder for me. Like I'm a, I'm very like not ADD, but very motivating kind of person. Love being motivated, and you try and motivate young people. And I've I've got to work really hard as a speaker or and for engagement and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, for parents out there as well, I think it's a great sign to try and work out like everyone is motivated by different things. And I think as a parent or a dad, all that kind of stuff, it's it's really hard to find and it needs to be found that what motivates your kid. You know, for, for me, um, there was periods in my career where my dad would motivate me by something externally, like i.e. buying me something or doing this. But if, you can, if he consistently bought me something over a long time, I would have very reward-based love. 
Do you know what I mean? So it would need mm. to be balanced out where like, and then someone else might be just naturally motivated. Um, so I think for me, there's definitely that big problem, like what you were saying as well. Um, kids nowadays really struggle with that motivation and purpose. And like you said, missionless as well. I think that's a great job for dads out there to really help their kids mm. find that internal motivation so that they can achieve their dreams. There's so many gifting out there and there's so much opportunity nowadays. I tell my sons, do something. Mm. I think there's a little bit of um, uh, fluffiness in modern career advice mm. um, where it's like find your dream job and I'm like no find a job yeah. do something and you can figure it out later you can change jobs but um, there's got to be a level of pragmatism in it I mean I'm going through this at the moment my oldest is graduating grade 12 he's sitting one of his final exams today and I often ask him, you know, what do you want to do after school? Let's sit down and think about it. Let's talk about it. But there's got to be a practical element to survival. And, um, you know, to survive in a modern society like Australia, you need to have a job where you can earn mm. an income, pay rent, put food on the table and, you know, I achieve life. I was thinking about the difference between generations um, in an episode I did a couple of weeks ago with Holocaust survivor. Mm. And he was very young when liberated from a, a slave labor camp by Americans. And they eventually emigrated to Australia. And, and it fascinated me. This one trivial detail fascinated me because his father got a job in a factory sewing buttons on raincoats. Mm. Like, what's your dream job? What's your gifts? What's your yeah, passion? No one's coming up with that. Just, just, I, I might. <laughs> sewing buttons on raincoats. Well, it's a you know, like, I, I've made is, my kids do this, labor. This is, see, his mission, labor. his mission in life wasn't sewing buttons on raincoats. His mission in life was being productive and providing for his family and protecting yes. his family. He had a mission. He had focus. purpose and he had joy in sewing buttons on raincoats. He probably didn't go, "Yay, I'm going to sew buttons on raincoats every day." But I'm like. It's a heart of gratitude, right? It's saying, well, that is I've manhood. got a job. That is manhood. And I can provide. So I'm going to be thankful mm. for that. You know, I've got two boys and two girls, and I make them all work with me outside doing menial labour tasks. And they're great. like, oh, you know, I don't like this. I'll whinge about it. I'm like, great. That, then it's working. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, it's good to do things that, that you don't like all the time because yeah. you're helping the family. And that's you having an input into the betterment of this family. So you need to contribute. Yeah. And this idea that, oh, but I'd rather just do what I want to do or watch TV or play video games. Well, no, you're a part of this community. You're a part of this family. You're going to contribute. Mm. And we don't always like what that means in a practical sense. You know, I've got to work hard. I've got to sweat. I'm going to dig holes. I'm going to plant trees, whatever that is. Mm. But doing those menial jobs is a really important lesson for people to have in life. Yeah. It's the same with, I don't believe that, in participation awards, you know, this society of let's give everyone an award for just participating. Do you think that would have helped you in your swimming career if everyone else got an award when you won the race? And you'd be like, well, where, hang on, I won. Where's my yeah. sort of individual unique recognition for achieving above and beyond what everyone else did? I think it was in the generation of participation. Well, it might have been. Oh, <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> I think it'd be more motiv more demotivating to to not get and like the pain of coming fourth. Mm. That would be horrible. I mean, that's what motivates you to do better. If you had have had another cycle in you, mm. 
yeah, that, that's 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 horrendous. Mm. Um, so yeah, but it's what you do with that, right? Yeah. Do you let that define you, or do you use that to build you up? Yeah. And ultimately, that's what being a man is about: picking yeah. the, picking yourself up, pulling up your bootstraps, and saying, "Right, eye on the prize, like old mate, sewing on buttons. I'm here because I'm providing for my family. I'm." You know, I'm contributing to society, and it's not about me. Yeah, there's no guts, no glory or glamour in in menial labour. Um, but you know, you, it's not what you put on your Facebook profile to to show off. Mm. Um, unlike Olympic swimmer or <laughs> or a decorated army veteran, yeah. but um, it's it's that that manliness of that. Um, final thoughts from each of you. Um, Andy, you first. Uh, just on International Men's Day, how we, uh, men and women, young and old, politicians and punters, mm. can better celebrate and support the men in Australia? Well, I think um, we've got to agree the, the premise that it's OK to celebrate men and that doesn't detract from celebrating women. Um, and we're worth celebrating. You know, men achieve a lot in society. Men achieve a lot in families. They often go unnoticed or unrecognised and uncelebrated. And to an extent, that's OK. You know, most of us are just willing to crack on and do what we do every day mm. and continue to work. Um, but it's nice to, to have a, a day to be able to recognise men and say International Men's Day is something that we should pay attention to like we do for International Women's Day. Um, I think my final thoughts on this are there are only two genders. Let's celebrate both of them equally. And, um, yeah, and as a society, we can do better. You know, yeah. I've, I've followed quite closely um, what's going on in international sport, particularly with men identifying as women swimming or competing in, in, um, in women's sport and seeing how that's absolutely destroying these poor young women mm. from achieving their goals and and it's just not right it's just not okay yeah um so things like that i think we need to just wake up in society and start calling out the truth like let's stop pretending yeah um there's there's two genders let's celebrate them both equally i think we both as as two separate genders have so much to offer society let's learn from one another let's have open conversation and debate and um do better and I, I just think too, like, um, there's a lot of demand on families at the moment. You know, interest rates going up and all of those kind of things. And you've got kids who need to be everywhere at every point in time. And I think the important thing, and this is um, actually from Mark Driscoll, he um, says the two things. Number one, to marriage is agreement, always being in agreement about what your roles are and what you should be doing and that kind of stuff. But I think the second most important thing, especially in today's time, is appreciation. Um, and me being newly married two, two years now, um, I think the more my wife and I can get into an agreement and then learn to appreciate each other for their agreement yeah. is two really, really important things. And I think leading into this Men's Day, um, I think it's a great time to actually appreciate the demand on families and especially men as well, and then also appreciate them for the great job they are doing. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Manhood is about service. It's, it's about leadership, but leadership, uh, as Paul instructed men in the Bible, um, like Christ leads the church. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a gentle leadership, not a domineering or bullying kind of leadership. It's, it is 
not about the glory or or the title of boss, but about service and and support in how you do uh, raise your kids, give them every opportunity that you can, uh, provide for them, and support your wife to be everything that she's called to be, um, and. And I would offer men the advice that the best way you're going to find your completeness and wholeness and happiness is by finding yourself in Christ. And it's only in understanding God's plan for your life that you will fill that missing hole uh, of, of the mission that you need to be so that at the end of a life well lived, uh, you can, can get God's approval uh, for the things that you and understanding we all uh, have failures in our track record and and regrets that hopefully we can learn from and and teach the next generation lessons from and in fact you said that you thought Christians were hypocrites uh, once upon a time I actually think church is just a uh, support group for recovering sinners um, it's <laughs> like good. where else would you ex what else it's like being surprised at finding alcoholics in an alcoholic support group well yeah. of course that's where bad people go to to get better um, but it's it's exactly that if you want the recipe for we're gonna not have all the answers um, but but God certainly does and when you understand that you are designed with a purpose uh, the smartest wisest most fulfilling thing you can do is get to know the designer and ask him his purpose for your life uh, so that would be my endorsement for men this uh, International Men's Day. And trust me, do not ask a feminist about how to be a true man. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, Pleasure, Dave. Dan Smith, yes. thank you so much uh, for representing the nation and all the hard work you did. Um, thank, yeah, thank you for all those that training and, and for what you do do now in talking to schools and, and even in your business. Um, contributing and productively adding to the community. And Andy Cullen, thank you for PTSD Resurrected and, and your uh, services and all of the, the people you empower to help other people, uh, as well as um, the people you, you offer uh, counseling and support and recovery to at no charge. Mm. Uh, that's, that's incredible. So again, guys, would you please um, Make sure to donate as generously as you can. Look, I love your generations to ge donations too, but um, please give to PTSD Resurrected. Um, and if it's a choice between either or, this is a good week to give to PTSD Resurrected on International Men's Day. Details are on the screen right now. But for those people listening to the podcast, Andy, um, say out loud where people can can go and find uh, how they can support your uh, charity. Sure, you can find us online on www.ptsdresurrected.org. That's O-R-G. Um, there's a link there to donations and you can contact us. If you or anyone listening, you know of someone that needs support of uh, overcoming trauma in their life, send them to us. Uh, we've got courses all throughout the year, eight courses um, scheduled for 2024 wow. throughout Australia. And um, yeah, we're just here to serve and here to help. So if you need support yourself, please get in touch with us. 
Well, that's it for this episode of the Church and State Show. We will be taking a break in December, January and February over summer as we prepare for the Church and State Summit, which is coming up on the 8th and 9th of March in Brisbane. Uh, There are special early bird prices, 25% off, uh, that you can get exclusively right now by going to churchandstate.com.au forward slash register. Uh, That's the Church and State Summit in Brisbane, two days, 8th and 9th of March. And uh, coming up very soon, in just one week, we have the Church and State Israel and Anti-Semitism Conference on a Sunday afternoon at the Queensland Holocaust Museum. We've got a couple of international speakers, a couple of Australian speakers, uh, and anti-Semitism is getting incredibly toxic and pernicious right now. We are looking pre-World War II kind of levels of open hatred and violence towards Jews. Uh, and that is just completely something that everybody of good conscience should be actively opposed to. There were plenty of people who looked the other way in Germany and the Holocaust was the result. Uh, and the world promised never again. Well, here's the test. It's time to actually do something about it. So make sure you um, either tune in uh, to the live broadcast, which will be um, on ADH TV on the 26th of November, or if you're able to make it, uh, head to the Church and State website for tickets to the Israel and anti-Semitism conference there. Half of the profits Uh, If there are any from that conference, so donations gratefully received as well, we'll go to uh, supporting the educational work of the Queensland Holocaust Museum. Uh, You can get updates and become a supporter of this show at davepello.com. Sign up for the weekly newsletter and uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the Church and State Show. God bless you and Australia. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.